As parents, we need to be more involved in the educational process of our children. Welcome to Chalk Talk with your host, Eric Hamilton. The three pillars of Eric's approach to parent engagement are academics, accountability, and advocacy, which empower parents to better support success at the child, school, and system level. And now, here is Eric Hamilton. Hello, American listeners around the world. My name is Eric Hamilton, and welcome to Chalk Talk. Tonight I have a another great show planned for you. Uh, I am going to be talking about a crisis in education. And if you are the parent or know someone that is the parent of at least a junior or 12th grader in high school, this may be a show that you immediately want to call someone, send them a text message, and have them to listen to this. The telephone number for tonight's show, if anybody would like to give me a call, is 1-888-346-9141. Tonight's show is going to be centered around the crisis in college debt and how do we talk to our children about um, college. It's It's a huge crisis that's going on. And I have some incredible numbers to talk about. The difference between what you would probably hear from my perspective, my perspective is going to come from someone who is both a parent, a teacher, and also who has worked with 11th and 12th graders for the past 10 years. So I'm going to give some insights to you that I don't think you're going to get anywhere else. When you search this particular topic, you get a lot of information. And, and tonight I'm really going to jump right into some of the information that oftentimes doesn't get talked about. For those listeners who are new to the show, um, I have come up with a show that I believe is very effective around creating a space for parent engagement. Parent engagement, in my definition, is that ability to connect with parents on topics that's going on inside of the school classroom, Uh, some of the things that I see as an educator, most educators also see, but we don't have the space in order to create opportunities. If you're interested in this particular topic, I would again ask for you to call in. Um, We'd love to hear your opinion on this particular topic. For those individuals who have followed last week's show, we talked about technology and who needs it anyway. I had originally planned a show in reference to now that we've addressed this technology issue and sometimes our overuse in technology, what is the alternative? I had originally planned a show with a company that does incredible work around the K through five years around building strong academic skills. The name of that company is Lakeshore Learning. In preparing for tonight's show, Lake Show Learning and myself, we could not come to an agreement in terms of what I could and could not talk about. In order for me to be able to successfully engage in parents, I needed permission from Lakeshore Learning. Lakeshore Learning did not give me the permission that allowed me to freely discuss or endorse those products. So since I've decided I could not do that, I decided to go in a completely different direction. So those parents that are looking to talk about hands-on learning materials, I will talk about that at a later date. You can go to my website, 
Chalk Talk Radio XYZ, and you will see the current uh, plan of schedules for the next four shows. And I plan on addressing that issue as well, uh, because I think that's an incredible issue. Tonight's show, if you have been keeping up with what I believe is important, there are three A's, and you think you heard it in the promo. Those three A's centered around academics, accountability, and advocacy. This particular topic tonight is, in my opinion, is one of those topics that stems around the advocacy part. And you as a parent, if you have a junior or senior, you know that this is that particular time the two years that you have an opportunity to engage in conversations around college, college choices. This is the time that you're going to go on college trips. This is the time that you're pushing for SAT prep, ACT prep. If you know about this particular two years, you know this year, these two years are incredibly important, but they also go by very quickly because there's so many things that's going on. So I want to talk tonight about How should we be talking about college, particularly with this thing called college debt? College debt has absolutely changed the way conversations are occurring in the classroom with students. I realize that many students are intimidated or afraid of acquiring debt, but we want to talk about it tonight in a little different perspective about how it's actually altering choices. And I think it's actually a very disturbing trend. And I'll talk about that in in a moment. How should we be engaging? I just did a a search a little while ago and I looked at different data and I have some incredible numbers to talk about tonight, specifically around debt, around which states have the highest amount of debts. And I think some of the information I'm going to share is going to actually shock you around what is student debt and how is it playing a part? There's also a phenomenon called the boomerang child. I'll talk about that as well. The boomerang child is this phenomenon where students graduate from college. They are looking in order to get out into the work world. And for whatever reason, the work world doesn't allow them the ability to fully branch out in terms of home ownership. So what happens is between the ages of 25 and 35, for this particular reason, and they're mostly economic, students oftentimes find themselves returning home because they are unable to to acquire the resources in order to pursue what I think is one of the greatest things that America has to offer, which is home ownership. So we're going to talk about that, but I wanted to throw that term out there, the boomerang parent, or the boomerang child, rather. The conversation around college has changed over the past 20 years. In 1998, there was a totally unprepared student, well-intended high school student who grew up in the southwest side of Atlanta, who wanted to go to a university since the sixth grade. And they wanted to go to a school called the University of Georgia. And during that particular time, That was a lofty goal, and that student is myself. During that particular time, University of Georgia was one of those places that I can remember proudly as a child stepping onto that campus in the sixth grade 
And if I said, hey, if I ever have a chance to attend college, this is where I wanted to attend. There was something during that particular time that I, it really impressed me. I was totally impressed by the campus, by how I was treated, the facility. And that impression really formed a sense of motivation for me that I wish every student could find that particular place that you could connect to. Although my academics were not where they should have been in order to go to attend a university like that, I had a drive. And that drive was to to one day land at that particular institution. It's hard to believe that during my time at the University of Georgia, it cost me a whopping $6,365 per year. During those particular days, I thought that that was an enormous amount of debt that I didn't think I would ever be able to get out of. When I did research for tonight's show, I quickly realized that the current in-state tuition for the University of Georgia is somewhere around the $22,000 per year range, which in my world seems absolutely incredible, incredibly high. For those of us who know about the classroom, and I'm going to segue back to why this issue is something that as a parent you should be talking about. And you should perhaps get this perspective. Most of us as educators know that there are three dominant groups inside the classroom. There are the the 20 percent. They are the top tiered students, meaning that regardless who the teacher is, regardless of what the content, they're going to be in front of the class. They're going to sit in the front. They're going to do their very best to get an A. They will not take anything less. There's a 60%, which I think is where most American high school students, middle school students lie. That group is around the B to C range. They're average. They are have some deficiencies that perhaps never got addressed as a child, but they do have some skills. And generally speaking, they're hardworking students. And then there's that other 20%. That is the 20% of students who are your lower level who are oftentimes struggling with either issues at home or issues around um, intellectual issues. Uh, They may have severe learning disabilities, but those students seem to always struggle. And as educators, we're always trying to figure out how to address those groups. Well, back in 1998, when I graduated from high school, I was clearly one of those 60%. I wasn't absolutely in the top tier, but I wasn't in the bottom tier. And during that particular time, I attempted one of the hardest academic pursuits of my career uh, was the ability to attend a school that I wanted since the sixth grade. And it was difficult. It was challenging. It was hard work. It was a lot of tough, difficult moments that built character. But during those particular times, I found a way to overcome some challenges that I had in order to, uh, to achieve my goal. As I look at young people today in uh, 2017, students are no longer willing to explore what I call their academic boundaries. Many of the conversations that I have, I see students who could clearly go to a higher or top tier university, but many of their decisions are not driven by their own academic pursuits, not driven by their heart, not driven by passion, but they're driven by the ability to afford 
a particular institution. Now, if you compare that to some of the developments that we had, many of our of my classmates in high school did have a chance to attend schools that they really wanted to go. I'm seeing a disturbing trend, and that trend now is that students now are willing to look at the dollar bills now. They're looking willing to look at the bottom line. And and in some way I think it's it's sad that students don't have the opportunity to to explore different universities with different kind of programs to get out there and to be able to truly test what type of student that they could have the potential to be. And a lot of times I used to tell a couple of students in mind that I know in particular, I would always tell them that they were sink or swim students, which meaning some students have to be motivated. If they're not motivated by the fear of failure or the fear of defeat, something kicks in with those types of students. And those students are able to actually rise up to a particular challenge. So you may say, what does this have to do with student debt? Well, when we look at the numbers that many of our students are facing, you will see that many students today are, in my opinion, they are limiting their choices. They're strictly looking at the economics, which I completely understand. But in the end, many of these students may not be able to fulfill their academic potential. And academic potential is that one thing that when things are very difficult, those are the things that as an adult you fall back on. College today is an environment where students are given an opportunity. I know for me, my opportunity was to really test to find out who I really was, to determine what type of person that I wanted to be. Did I want to quit in the face of adversity or did I want to press forward? And I think going from adulthood into true adulthood, we all need those types of adversities. As a parent, we would want for our child to have some type of strong test to really find out what type of person that you have in order to be an adult. So I really believe that when we talk about the numbers, and again, if we look at at what I I paid for college, it was only in the $6,000 range. Now that same experience is costing $22,000 a year. What's really happening is, is that students now are starting to consider universities without really governing their heart, without having those serious levels of commitment. And on one hand, I completely understand that. But on the other hand, I think that those are the challenges that are needed in order for us to be truly sustainable adults in our society. I talk about in the classroom with my students, I talk about my experiences and I'm very proud of my university. I'm always putting my university out there. And I always ask my students that wherever it is that you plan on going, you want to be proud of your university. You want to be able to talk about it and you want to be able to to communicate the struggles as well as the joys that you had during that particular experience. We're pretty close to my first break. 
But before I go, I want to close uh, with this particular piece. And I want to say that when we come back, we're going to talk about how do you have a conversation with your child around college? How can you, your child, as well as your uh, college advisor, your school counselor, have that ability to be on, a, on the same page? Because I see it now being an issue where we have to learn how to, to work together and listen. So I'm going to close with my first break. And when we return, we'll talk about is your degree a good financial investment? So stay tuned. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's time to eradicate barriers that are holding you back in your relationships and your life. Start by embracing the concept of laughing loudly and loving deeply. Coincidentally, that's the name of a highly anticipated new show featuring host Dr. Faith Brown. She'll talk with life experts or life spurts in order to help you develop your own vision plan for better relationships and experiencing the ultimate enjoyment in life. Laughing Loudly, Loving Deeply with Dr. Faith can be heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. How are you doing in your life? Do you control your life or does it control you? In our hectic, overconnected world, do you spend too much time feeling tired and wired? Tune in to Master Your Life with hosts Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin for inspiration, insight, and intelligence on how to gain control of yourself and your life. Along with some inspirational and knowledgeable guests, Leah and Howard will give you the tools needed to help you on your journey. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. You are listening to Chalk Talk with Eric Hamilton. We want to hear from you during today's show by phone or by email. Please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to eric at chalktalkradio.xyz. That's eric at chalktalkradio.xyz. Now, back to the program. Okay, I am back. And we were having a conversation, America, about the college debt and how to actually talk and how to make a good decision around college. And I think before you can have a conversation with your child about college, I think you as a parent, we need to understand that if we were fortunate enough to attend a college, that some of the some of the activities that allowed for us to go has changed. So we, we need to have that space. And, and that space is, is chalk talk. That space is that space that allows for us to have that kind of conversation. So again, if you 
would like to be able to call in tonight, would love to, to take a question. Um, we were talking about just, you know, why is college costing so much? Uh, I can't tell you the number of students over the last couple of years that have shared with me their concerns around acquiring $100,000, $100,000 for a four-year college degree, which is which is just mind-boggling. Um, why is the cost so high? I realize that the dollar has has um, has declined its value over the years. I realize there's much more money in circulation. But there seems to be a, a challenge that the cost seems to go up, but yet the return on some of these degrees that are out there they don't seem to have the same economic value that they have in the past. So I'll use my own degree because I don't want to offend anyone who attempted um, four years of work and struggled and were able to successfully get their degree. I left with the last break saying, is your degree a good financial investment? I know for me, when I attempted to college and many of my other friends at that particular time, we were not thinking necessarily financial investment, although some of us were. Most of us at that time were thinking about, hey, this is a sentimental favorite, whether for whatever reason. Now it's how do we communicate? Is your degree worth $75,000? Meaning, will you be able to, after four years, take a degree that you have and actually get in a field where that degree or that school brand, because you have to talk about school brand, will it allow for you to successfully find work? There are students who I've had a chance to meet who uh, their counseling session looks, looks totally different than that. Many of them are given opportunities based on scholarships. Many students today will simply go where they get the best deal. Many students are having to stay at home and to commute to campus. Many students today are actually taking the associate's degree approach where they're actually attending a community college. And they are actually doing two years at a community college and then they are making the big jump to a four-year university which I think is a smart move. So if you are the parent of a junior or a senior, you need to be able to understand that the financial debt crisis in this country is really altering the way many of our young people are looking at school. I think many young people are starting to really look at it as a, as a business transaction. And I think that is a good thing. But as I talk about it's one of those pieces where you're looking in order to uh, your choice that you have will really set the pace for the rest of your life. Your opportunities, the people that you meet, your level of exposure, all of those things are happening during your college years. So when you talk about what you're good at, what you like to do, uh, there are plenty of art individuals who are very good with art, with drawing who have a vast knowledge uh, in the artistic world, you have to think, is your degree in a particular field, will it facilitate you getting a job or will you have to attend 
two years or even four years in either medical school, law school, or any kind of postgraduate work. You really need to be able to have those kinds of conversations around. And it's difficult when you're a high school senior, when you're a high school junior, it's really difficult to have those conversations. But it's really important to find out what are you good at? What do your skills indicate? How rigorous of your classroom environments? And what type of recommendations are your teachers giving you in terms of what do they see? So these are all things that we really need to take in consideration around how do we have these conversations? And, and number, and I guess the last thing is, is that you have to be a good listener. Uh, I've seen parents that will force, if I went to the University of Kentucky, well, that's where you're going to go. Um, I have seen stu- parents get really offended when students, um, when their child doesn't want to go where they went, which I think is very unfair. Uh, I have seen college uh, for, or I'm sorry, for counselors to do the exact same thing. I have seen them uh, in schools to actually push certain schools because they may have sentimental attachments. I think of part of the advocacy that I'm talking about is that ability to listen, figure out skill set, look at GPA, look at SAT scores, look at letters of recommendation, have those top five schools, make sure you do college visits, and really listen to what you think is going to be the best fit. No one knows until we get there. So that's that, that, that's that, that component of how do you engage. I want to talk about some numbers right now because numbers really tell the true story. Much of my information comes from a research firm called Value Penguin Inc. And they are responsible for managing data and statistics around debt, particularly student debt. In 2016, if we were to take an account of all of the U.S. student loan debt, it it would clearly go over 1.4 trillion, with a T, trillion dollars. There are approximately 44.2 million Americans that have some form of student debt. Let's listen to the numbers here. 66% of graduates from public colleges, like the university that I attended, have an average loan of somewhere around $25,000. The average loan from a private institution is significantly higher, somewhere around the $45,000 range. The average monthly student loan for a individual is $351. So you have to think about the economics, the costs of attending a university. And when you begin to look at these numbers, you'll quickly see why so many individuals are are changing or altering where they go because the numbers are staggering. They are very high. When we look at this issue around student debt, and and, and you forgive me, I'm also a, a uh, I teach economics as well. So I'm always looking at 
you know, how people, particularly Americans, change their behavior based upon numbers. So there's this thing called credit card debt, which I'm sure we're all familiar with, automobile loans, student loans, and mortgages. Mortgages are those things that allow for Americans to actually have the American dream, which is the ability to borrow money in order to pay for property. That's one of the things that makes this country very unique. If you were to take a look at the amount of money that Americans are in debt for, Americans are in debt for currently $8.4 trillion when it comes to loaning for money for loans, for housing or for property. Student loans has actually taken over automobile loans to the tune of $1.3 trillion. This cost is quickly, quickly skyrocketing. I think the percentages are 186% over the last 20 years. So if we remember what I talked about earlier, I said in 1988, Uh, The average cost to attend the University of Georgia was somewhere around uh, 20, I'm sorry, $3,600. And today it is currently around 2223. And that is an in-state tuition. If you're out of state, then, of course, your numbers are significantly higher. So we have to think about why is this number escalating? Who is getting this money? And does the school that you plan on going to, will they offer a lifetime where you can get out of debt. Some of us laugh at the notion of not being in debt. Some of us say, hey, debt is the American way. I, I, have, I have heard many people say that. The difference is that our generation, our debt seems to be a little bit more manageable. The debts for the current generation, I wonder if their debts will be manageable. So we want to talk about... Um, some research that was put into choices. I have a lot of students who are telling me, Mr. Hamilton, you know, I don't want to go too far. I want to stay local. And as we begin to engage in conversation, it, t- it comes up time and time and time again. Many students don't want to go too far because oftentimes they feel a connection to home. They feel Uh, some type of responsibility, perhaps, uh, that's going on at home. But many of them have figured out that at the end of the day, they don't want to acquire a lot of the debt that previous generations have 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 acquired. So what's happening? So we're going to talk about the top um, five states where the debt is the highest, and we're going to look at some some other statistics tonight. So I've chosen four states because these are states that I either have a connection to, uh, many of individuals that I know. Um, my home state, which is Georgia, uh, Georgia ranks 28th in the country with the average debt of $27,000 per year, uh, which is 28th. Uh, the University of Georgia is around 22. So uh, my alma mater is a little bit less than average. The current state that I reside in is Maryland, which ranks 30th in the nation, uh, coming in at 27,466. South Carolina, uh, which is another awesome state, 
which actually ranked 16th. It averaged somewhere around $30,000 is the average loan. And the most ironic one, uh, and I'm sure my daughter would love to hear this, this great state of California, which is actually the state that I was born in, that state is number 48th in the lowest average loan per state, per student, at a astounding $22,744 a year. That That's really interesting. I think it's because of A, the number of schools that they there that actually uh, affects the total averages. And I think that that state probably does a lot more funding um, than a lot of states can't afford. So when you look at those, you need to start thinking, okay, well, where does my child want to go to school? Can my child actually afford it? Will my child have the academic strength to actually get through it? Is my child that type of child that needs to be motivated? You don't know. You have no clue on these things, but you have to use your best judgment. It's really, really difficult. Right now, parents of juniors and seniors are having some very difficult conversations at home, trying to figure out where should they go? How should they plan? Did we prepare well enough? Did we save enough money? How can we get a scholarship? All students, uh, a lot of school students don't have the ability to play sports. Not everyone can perform on a court or a field. Many students have skills that those skills don't translate into dollars and cents when it comes to schools. So if you are a parent, your job is to try to figure out how do I make a good economic decision how can I help my child make a good economic decision? On the other end, we just talked about the averages of states. Now I want to reveal to you the top five. Starting at number five, and this all seems to be one way, by the way, and you'll see here in a moment. Rhode Island. Rhode Island is the fifth most expensive state in the United States to send your child. It is a an uh, average of about $32,920. Delaware is number four, which was the shocker for me, at thirty-three, uh, $33,844. Connecticut, which is no surprise, $34,794. And, and Pennsylvania, at uh, 35599 and the number one most expensive state where, remember, we're talking averages. Remember that word, averages. New Hampshire. New Hampshire is the country's most expensive place to send your child to school at a tune of $36,000 per year. So these are some things that we have to do our research. We have to make visits. We have to take an active role um, during that final year because these decisions are life-altering decisions for our, our children. There's nothing worse than being told that you have debt that is unmanageable 
that it cannot be repaid. Um, it's really, really hard for a young person who may not be able to fully understand the realities of what you're getting yourself into. For me, I was very fortunate. I came around a time where I actually was responsible for my own debt, meaning that I was able to borrow money from the federal government. Um, it made it a real life transaction for me because I knew that I was on the I was on the line and I was kind of intimidated by it. But it also gave me a sense of purpose and focus that this was what was needed for me in order to, to go forward. The debt crisis as well as credit crisis in America, students no longer have the ability to sign themselves through. They have to have what's called a cosign, their parents. So these are decisions that we really have to be careful and mindful of. We're going to take uh, another break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about college tours, asking the right questions, and is your child ready to make the next step. So hold on for our final break for the evening. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation on college debt. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. Do you or somebody you love have a struggle with abuse? You don't need to be a slave to your abuse anymore. Listen for Beyond Abuse, Beyond Therapy, Beyond Anything with Dr. Lisa Cooney. Dr. Lisa overcame struggles in her own life. Two decades of sexual, emotional, and physical abuse nearly took their toll. In her 20s, she turned her life around and set upon a path to help others. She can help you find the key to take control of your life, too. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you a spiritual seeker? Have you always pondered the deeper questions in life? Have you looked at many spiritual paths and found some answers but are looking for more? The Open Door, brought to you by the Summit Lighthouse, brings you each week practical spiritual teachings and tools that promote self-mastery, higher consciousness, and the opportunity to connect with the Ascended Masters. Join Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy as we explore the universe of spirituality, live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Empowerment Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. You are listening to Chalk Talk with Eric Hamilton. We want to hear from you during today's show by phone or by email. Please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to eric at chalktalkradio.xyz. That's eric at chalktalkradio.xyz. Now, back to the program. We are back and we are having a conversation around college debt and how do you as a parent 
have these kind of conversations? Um, how can you have these kind of conversations? What should you talk about? Uh, it's very difficult as a parent who is trying to make a good decision to help your young person make a good decision. Um, you have a lot to, to work with. So tonight's show is one that I think is a timeless show because I know that all across America right now, parents particularly who may not have the same information, who may not have the time, who may not see it quite from my perspective, I hope that you are listening and you can forward this show, send a text message around how this particular topic can be helpful for you. We were talking about, um, and I failed to mention, and I do apologize, I, I failed to mention uh, the, the most affordable um, states. I talked about the most expensive one, and actually there were two uh, at the bottom. One was Utah. Uh, the state of Utah has the lowest tuition. Uh, they average around $18,000. So if you're really looking for a financial deal, you should consider Utah. Number two was Wyoming, which was around the $21,000 range. Uh, again, probably some of the most affordable debt that you will find. Uh, and then you have the great state of California, which, again, I was completely shocked that their numbers were as low as they are in relative to the rest of the country. We said that the East Coast from Rhode Island, Delaware, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, as well as New Hampshire, they have some of the most uh, the highest levels of uh, tuition. And we also talked about the impact that student debt has on for individuals who are successful, who are able to graduate. And then the next step, once you graduate, you acquire a job. And once you acquire a job, at some point you are looking for home ownership. We have a phone call. Go ahead and take this call, please. You acquire a job. You acquire a job at some point. Hello. Hello. Uh, I have a question, Mr. Hamilton, and I I wanted to tell you I I appreciate the uh, the attention that you have given to the cost of uh, of colleges, um, but I, I would like to know. Whether you think that attending the college or university that the student uh, likes or prefers to go to, maybe because of his location or because his or her friends are attending, or is it most important to attend one that will best prepare the student in his or her field of study. As we know, it's terrible to attend a college and then not be able to to afford to repay that uh, college debt that you have. I just uh -huh. like your opinion on what you what do you think should be the most important factor in the decision. Okay. Okay. Thank you. That's a that's a, a a challenging question, but I I do think that that question is a question that I do believe that a lot of seniors are facing right now. 
there are a lot of students, as you said, that will go where their friends are going. Um, and then there are students who have been successful to think about the career that they want to go. And the reason why I say it's a very difficult question to answer, it is all up to the child. And does the child and the parent have a plan? Do, do they have a plan? Uh, I can speak from personal experience. Uh, I've had a student and one that comes to mind. He had a particular passion around veterinarian, uh, veterinarian science. He wanted to go to a school that was a top tier veterinarian school. His friends, on the other hand, uh, didn't have that interest, didn't have that skill set, was something that he did not want to do. So I advised him to think about which one is more important. If you don't know where you want to go, then perhaps um, a good school, a good liberal arts school might be a good place to start. That's why a lot of people go to, quote, liberal arts schools. But if you're very strong in what you think you know, then I think you may want to go to a school that has a specific skill set, a specific preparation plan, and realize that you may lose some friends, but you will probably gain some friends in other places. So I think that's a very tough question, but I think experience will, will, has, has shown me that that's how it typically uh that's how it typically goes. Thank you very much. That's All right. Thanks helpful. for the call. So, you know, these are these are questions, and again, it's it's one of those things where you don't know the you don't know the situation until you have to to actually make these kinds of decisions. Uh, and they're 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 quite challenging. They're they're very, very challenging. And sometimes they require a, a different voice, a different perspective on how to make some of these decisions. What I truly recommend that parents do who who have a junior or a senior, and I know that one day I will be that parent and I will have to best support my child who is a ninth grader right now, which seems uh, not too not too far away. But how do you how do you manage this conversation? Um, hey, nothing would 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 work make my heart more excited if Lauren were able to say, hey, I want to I be a bulldog. I would absolutely love that, but I know that that may not be a realistic choice for her. So you have to realize that children uh, have the ability to select and pick where they want to go to school. Um, you also have to be able to help them manage that if they have to borrow money and if they are responsible for it, do they know the long-term consequences of borrowing money as Carla indicated, finding a career that will allow for them to pay uh, some of this money off? Or how do I get a scholarship? How can I apply to a school? Um, there are plenty of programs out there where I know for certain athletics, particularly with certain sports that don't get the same funding, there have been much talk around sending people, uh, sending students who perhaps may not necessarily want to participate in certain sports, but because those sports programs have money that if students don't apply for them, they often get returned. So you're talking about swimming scholarships. You're talking about golf scholarships. 
you're talking uh, in some places baseball. Uh, you're talking about different sports where the school has to, by law, have to provide certain funding opportunities. And oftentimes they can't find individuals. And you'd be surprised at what a school will offer you if you're willing to participate in a particular sport. And you don't necessarily have to be great at it. You don't necessarily have to be considering it as a career. But there are several individuals who have done certain sports um, that may not be as popular as football. Uh, all those college players you see out on the football field are not going to go to the pros. They don't have those intentions. Uh, but they have been able to learn a skill that will help pay for some of this high, high ri- rising cost in education. So you've got to be able to have that conversation. You've got to be really uh, unbiased in your conversations with uh, students, with your child. You also have to be able to schedule time to go visit. Make sure that if you plan on going to visit to, to participate in some of the group settings, that they will have an open house night. Make sure that when you go there, that you have a chance to take a full tour of the campus, that you know what your money is paying for. Uh, I chose because it was a sentimental favorite for me was to, to be a bulldog. But I chose the University of Georgia because it was a state funded school. Their resources, I thought at the time, were the best. And I still think today, even in 2017, they have the best resources. Uh, what do I mean by resources? I had three meal, uh, three dining halls. I had incredible uh, dorms that had air condition. I had security that was on campus. These are the things that you as a parent, you can't overlook or 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 not focus on because you are literally buying, you are paying for an experience. And these experiences have to add up. They they have you have to get something in return. So I wanted something and I think it's still the same today. Uh, I wanted something that I wanted to know how far was my money going to go? What was it going to be able to physically get me? Make sure that you schedule the um, college tours. And also make sure that you have the ability to ask the relevant questions. So it appears that we are just about out of time. And I want to thank a caller for calling in. I'd like to also thank the people at Voice America who did a fine job in helping me uh, do my show for this evening. I ask you as a parent to stay focused, stay supportive, uh, remember the three A's, and look forward to another outstanding show next week. Thank you and have a great week. Thank you again for joining us for Chalk Talk. Please join Eric Hamilton again next Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for more of everything that parents should know about school. 